the past 18 to 20 months has been absolutely bonkers, just crazy. And if anybody is on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, I'm sure you've seen some of the same things that I've seen. It's just been a lot of back and forth, um, people on this side, people on that side. Um, and there's a word um, that I often hear people use, even, even believers, and they use this word in a derogatory sense. They use this word in a flippant manner. And that word is sheep. Um, now, a Christian should not use that word in a flippant manner. That's not a word that we should take lightly. But I understand why they do it. Because a sheep um, is, a, is, a, is a foolish creature. They use it for people who are foolish. They're quick to follow anyone, quick to believe anything. Uh, and, and it's an effective term because sheep are such pathetic creatures. Um, if you've done any reading on sheep or, uh, um, you know, shepherds, they have a lot of things that they write online about how to lead sheep, how to guide sheep. Um, and all of the derog- most of the derogatory things they say about sheep are true. Um, now, nowadays, they, they say that sheep are intelligent creatures, but sheep uh, do some of the most foolish things you can ever imagine. Um, they do the, the dumbest stuff. They will follow anyone, anywhere. You don't have to be their leader. You don't have to mean them any good, but they'll follow you. Um, I've read uh, from uh, an online thing, I think a shepherd wrote it, that if a sheep jumped off a cliff, the one behind him might do the exact same thing, just because they tend to follow what's right in front of them. That's, that's a sad little creature. Um, they have a horrible sense of direction. They wander off easily, um, and they don't have many natural defenses. They, they easily become a meal for a predator. A uh, predator can pretty much just walk right up. The sheep is just going to run back to the fold, but the fold is not going to provide any protection for this one sheep and just grab them. Um, and if you are wondering why Scripture so often uses the term sheep to reference people, you know why now. <laughs> We're just like that. Um, now, when the sheep are not led by the right kind of shepherd, they're in a sad situation. Um, my mother would say a sad state of affairs. That's what they find themselves in. They're liable to hurt themselves or to be easily picked off by some animal. And for this reason, they need a shepherd that will watch them, uh, provide constant care for them, protect them, and lead them in the right direction. If a shepherd does not pay proper attention to his sheep or lead them correctly, they're pretty much done for. Sheep are in constant need of a shepherd's guidance, constant need of a shepherd's guidance. Um, Now, switching that thought over to Christians, to to us who who God calls his sheep, um, you can easily see, if you're honest with yourself, you can easily see how this correlates to your life. Um, now, Christian folks are supposed to have it all. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ, right? We're supposed to have good sense. Um, we're supposed to understand where we're supposed to go. But we often miss the mark. We often wander astray. Oftentimes, we miss the point. We don't know the right thing to do. And if you put anyone in front of us, if they have a name or if they look like a leader, we'll follow them. 
even in their sinful, bad behavior, will make excuses for it. So-and-so is so wise. No, they're not, and nor are you. Um, For this reason, we all need a shepherd. We need someone to lead us in the proper way, to take care of us, and to look out for us, because we are defenseless sheep. We need that kind of help on a constant basis. Now, if we are Christians, if we are saved, we have that kind of shepherd. In light of that kind of shepherd, I'd like to turn to Psalm 23. Um, This most well-known, most beloved passage of Scripture, I mean, everybody knows this passage of Scripture. If you finish it, finish it after, after I started. The Lord is my shepherd. This is one. Sorry, I, sorry, I didn't mean finish the whole passage. Sorry, sorry. Um, but this is one that everybody knows. I mean, I know unbelievers. When I was an unbeliever, I think I memorized this passage when I was a little kid. Um, I've seen cases where unbelievers had this tattooed on their forearms. Um, because this passage is very calming, soothing. Um, but this passage is only for Christians. This don't apply to everybody. Um, now, this most beloved and well-known psalm, David illustrates for us the, past, uh, the, the shepherd's t- diligent and tender care of his sheep. I'll read. Please follow along in your own Bibles. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, as I start, um, I, I want to touch on the superscription. We often see the superscriptions. It'll say a psalm of David or a psalm of Asaph or um, a psalm of whoever wrote it, the sons of Korah. And I just want to briefly touch on, touch on that. Um, cause, because from my understanding, that part of the psalm is, is inspired as well. Um, now, a psalm of David is, is a pretty straightforward thing. Now, a psalm is a, a, a kind of a poem or a kind of a song set to musical accompaniment. And pinned by David, it, it's clear. Therefore, you it doesn't take a, you know a, a TMS PhD to figure out what that means. A, a psalm by David, um, one of many and prob- possibly the most um, impactful psalm by David because everybody knows it. Um, now, it starts like this: The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, Now, keep this in mind. The Lord is my shepherd. This is the most important part of the psalm. Um,
in reality, it, it really doesn't say Lord. The, the word is not Lord. Um, in Hebrew, it's, it's the word Yahweh, the name, the proper name, like the, the capital N name of God. Um, and, you know, most translations will, will put, when, when it's the name Yahweh, they'll put Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Most of the time, that's Yahweh uh, in the Old Testament. Most of the time, that's the actual name. Um, but David doesn't use just El or Elohim. He doesn't just say God. He doesn't say Adonai. He doesn't say Lord. He calls the actual name. Um, and that is important for a variety of reasons. Um, David is very specific. He's not talk, talking about any God. Um, but mainly because that conveys a sense of intimacy and relationship. Yahweh is my shepherd. He shows that that it's just not a passing acquaintance. It's not just an associate. There's not just uh, some kind of familiarity with Yahweh. There's closeness. There is real, genuine relationship. You know how it is when you know somebody's name, but you don't know them. And they say, do you know so-and-so? And you're like, yeah, but you really don't know so-and-so. You only know their name. You, there's only a passing kind of knowledge of that person. You see them at church on Sunday, you may say hi and you keep it moving. Um, th- that's not this. This is real relationship. There's intimacy there. Now, the name in uh, Old Testament... New Testament, and even now, kind of conveys reputation, somebody's reputation. Um, oftentimes, people would be named for their reputation. Naval is a word that means fool, Nabal, and he, and he was a fool, right? He was a fool. Um, David is a name that actually means like beloved, and he was, by Yahweh, he was beloved. And Yahweh is a name that means ever-existing one, I am. I have been, I am now, and I'm going to be forever, um, David says he knows this person, and it's just not a passing knowledge. It's a genuine relationship with Yahweh. Um, Now, to say that the Lord is my shepherd is is not a noun. My shepherd is not a noun. Um, It's it's actually a verb. Um, Noun, just, you know, taking you back to school here, it defines a person, place, or thing. Um, but this is a verb. This is, a, this is an action word here. Um, and the type of verb, is a, it's a verb that describes something. It's a, it's a verb um, that has an adjectival character. Uh, it's an action word that says what he does, and it describes him. It says who he is and what he does. It's not just, is my shepherd. It's that Yahweh shepherds me. Yahweh leads me. Yahweh feeds me. Yahweh protects me. Yahweh takes care of me. It's more than just him being my shepherd. Um, And it's a kind of a word that has the force of continual action. And continual action means forever action uh, here. Yahweh is my shepherd and he will always be my shepherd. Yahweh will always take care of me. He's not just my shepherd in a right now kind of sense, not just for now. And maybe tomorrow he might change and not be my shepherd anymore. He will always be my shepherd. He is now and forever will be my shepherd. Now, this is the sense of God's permanent presence in the lives of his sheep. Um, 
we think about God's immutable nature and the fact that he can't change, it's good to know that he will never not be our shepherd. Now, we might act a fool sometimes. Um, if any of y'all, you know, are, are like me, we, we all have times when we, we try to wander from the shepherd. We try to run from him. But he still shepherds us. Now, the term shepherd uh, ought to kind of stick out to you because if anybody remembers David's profession before he was a warrior and king, you know he was a shepherd. And as a shepherd, he knew everything involved in taking care of sheep. He knew everything about it. He knew how to provide for his sheep. He knew how to feed his sheep. He knew how to keep them rested, keep them healthy. And he knew how to guide them properly. He knew how to protect them from physical threats. Uh, he talked about fighting off a bear and a lion. And all these things about shepherding that David knew personally, intimately, he ascribed to Yahweh as his shepherd. Yahweh is intimate with his sheep, he, an intimate knowledge of his sheep. He knows his sheep and he knows what they need and when they need it. And I mentioned that a little bit before, but this, Yahweh is my important part, the entire song. Um, and you would say, Jordan, why would you say that? Isn't the whole thing important? Yes, uh, the whole thing is important. But the rest of the psalm hinges on these two words. In Hebrew, it's two words. Um, the whole rest of the psalm hinges on these two words. They are the key to the rest of the psalm. If Yahweh is your shepherd, then the rest of these things you will receive as a result of Yahweh being your shepherd. And you have gained great benefits. Um, you know, in a similar way that we say the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. The first thing we do in that prayer is we acknowledge God and we acknowledge him as our father, right? And really, the, that's the basis for the rest of the prayer. The rest of the prayer is predicated upon the fact that God is your father, right? Um, and the psalm is just like that. It's just like that. Because Yahweh is your shepherd, you will receive this and this and this. Um, now, the first benefit to Yahweh being your shepherd I shall not want. I shall not want. Now, the words don't just mean I shall not want as in I have all I need for now and maybe enough for tomorrow. I'll scrape by. Um, this is uh, these two words here in Hebrew are, are terms of put together are as a construction of permanence. Um, it's like a never ending state. It literally means I will never suffer lack. I will never be without what I need. I will never be devoid of what I need. I won't even begin to be in a state. I won't even get close to the state of being without what I need. And why will I never suffer lack? Because Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh shepherds me. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want now. Um. If I'd have got everything I wanted, the whole year and past year and a half would not have looked like it looked. If I'd have got everything I wanted, you know, um, Lord knows where I'd be right now. Um, 
You know, you may have to eat ground beef instead of ribeye. You may not, you may not get what you want, but everything that you need, you will have because Yahweh is your shepherd. If he's your shepherd. He will forever take care of his people. Now, the second benefit to Yahweh being your shepherd is physical care. Verse number two, physical care. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, to say he causes me to lie down in green pastures, um, he's saying that the shepherd is going to lead He's going to bring you to a place where you can lie down. And sometimes when you don't want to go to that place, he'll force you to the place where you have to lie down. Um, this is a place where you can relax from your labors. Um, and this is a picture of a respite. Now, grass does not sound like an ideal bed to me, and it probably doesn't to you either. But for sheep, think about what that means for them. This is not just a place where they can rest, but when they go, they can eat first. They can eat to their fill, and then they can lay down um, and rest. Now, it should be noted for those taking notes that um, when it says he makes me lie down, there are various kinds of verb forms in, in Hebrew. Um, but this, this kind of verb form is not about the person who gets the rest at all. It's not about us. It's really about the person causing the action. So it's really about Yahweh. This is about Yahweh bringing me rest. Even though I'm being fed and rested and receiving the benefit of a sheep, um, this is really not about me at all. Yes, I receive good benefits from it, but it's really all about the shepherd. He makes me lie down. I'm not the focus of this at all. I'm, I'm a beneficiary of it, but I'm not, a focus. I'm not the focus of it. Um, it's all about the shepherd's goodness. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, if you know anything about reading, um, they do not like water, um, large bodies of water. They will stay away from water unless they have like a very good reason. Like if, if something's chasing them, um, trying to kill them, they might go in the water. But, you know, beside that or, or something that's, you know, pretty much central to their life, um, well-being, they won't touch water. They, they don't want to deal with large bodies of water. Um, and for good reason, uh, because sheep can easily fall in. Um, when they walk in water, they can easily lose their footing. Um, their, their wool gets wet and weighed down, and they can drown very easily. Um, this is why he has to lead us beside quiet waters. Um, sheep are afraid of loud sounds. It doesn't have to be anything that's a real threat, but if it sounds like a threat, the sheep tense up. They're, they get nervous. Now, from reading some of the things that, that shepherds have posted, um, they admonish other shepherds to keep their sheep away from water, keep them away from running water. Um, like, 
like heavily flowing, like fast flowing water, they'll keep them away from that. Like a river, they'll keep them away from that. And they have to keep them from stagnant water. They can't be on one extreme. They can't be on the other. Uh, loud running water will hurt them. They'll probably die. Um, stagnant water will give them disease. Um, so they have to be lead waters. Um, it needs to be waters that move peacefully, move calmly. And this, this is not a description of like a roaring river or Niagara Falls. This is, uh, if you can think about maybe like a brook or something that moves slowly and calmly that they may, um, they may drink to their fill. God knows what his sheep need um, and that they're easily afraid. And he seeks to be there to lead them. Now, the main idea of this verse is that I will have every physical need met by my shepherd. Now, he's saying that I'll be fully nourished. I'll have green pastures to eat. I'll have quiet waters to drink from. um, And I'll have rest in my shepherd's care. Why can I be brought into a state of peaceful rest? Because Yahweh is my shepherd. Because Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, the third benefit is spiritual care Yahweh provides. It says he restores my soul. And I think, you know, that might be a little bit misleading because we think of the soul as just the, the immaterial part of man. Excuse me. Um, it is that. The soul is the immaterial part of man, but it's more than just that. The soul is, it encompasses a bunch of things. It encompasses your mind, your heart, uh, your will, all of your desires, all of your appetites. And it, it really encompasses, it's, it's really like your whole inner life. That's what your soul is. It's your entire inner life. Now, why does he need to restore my inner life? What does that mean? Now, the word for restore is really the word that's often translated in the Old Testament as repentance. Um, Yeshuv. Turn back. It means to refresh something. Um, To bring something back to a proper original state. It's like it's kind of like a restart Um, when your computer is not acting right. You turn it off or you might restart it and then it comes back and it's acting right Um, because that's something we can pretty much all relate to. We can understand that. And this takes something back to its proper place. Now, this is what he does in our inner lives. He restores our souls. We certainly need this from the shepherd. Um, now, there are times when we're walking in the spirit and happy with Jesus alone, right? There are those times. Um, and nothing can sway us because we have the right perspective. We have laser focus on Christ. But after a while, something seems to happen all the time, doesn't it? It could be just a little thing that comes up. It could be a big thing that comes up. But that perspective that we have upon Christ starts to wane. Um, and it starts to kind of get a little stale, you know, your, your communion with God, your, your reading about and prayer get a little stale. Um, you start to lose your focus on Christ. And you get to a place where you might get, even start to get weary of it all. 
um, and your mind comes to the wrong place, your desires are in the wrong place, church becomes a chore, and you go and you say, I wish so-and-so would tell me something about something spiritual. I don't feel like hearing it today. In that situation, he grabs our hearts, he turns them in the right direction. If you've ever been looking, somebody's trying to help you look for something and you're looking in the wrong way, it's like they grab your head and focus your head, turn your head in the right direction so you can see what they're looking at. That is what he does for us. And this, it feeds directly into David's next statement. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Because the shepherd wants us to have our focus on the paths of righteousness, the right way. And and that's where he leads us. That's where he leads us. Now, he leads us in those paths for his sake, um, for his namesake. Now, we all know what righteousness is. Anything that's upright in God's sight, what we think of as opposite of wickedness, the opposite of sin, that, that which is pure, that which is innocent, that which is right, that is where God causes us to go. Again, this is about his leading up. The, the same, this is the same kind of verb as that other one when I said, he makes me lie down in green pastures and it's not about me, it's about him. This is the same kind of verb. He causes us to go into right paths. The shepherd is the focus of this word. Now, a path here is, is it's a rutted track from a wagon wheel. Um, now, we don't drive wagons today, so um, a better kind of, well, most of us don't. Um, there, some, some folks are Amish, right? Um, the best thing I can kind of think of that I had experience with is, is if you've ever really been out in the country, um, my parents are from Louisiana and Mississippi, so I, I spent a, you know a, a fair amount of co- time in the country when I was a kid. Um, in the country, and, it, and it's just like field everywhere, just green everywhere. And somebody drives over the grass with their car. The first, you know, the first time they pass over, you see kind of some indentions made from the wheels. Um, you know, the grass gets gets crushed under the wheels. That may, you know, obviously it's going to happen, um, but. When people continually go over that track, go over the same track, if the person drives over and over and over it, um, eventually something happens, right? The grass starts to die, and the dirt that goes, that's under the wheels, it gets compacted and hard. Um, and you'll, you're clearly able to see the path that is made by the tires. Uh, and if you've ever driven over one of those paths, you might even find it easy for your car to kind of, your, your wheels tracks because they're, they're kind of rutted and pressed down like that. Um, this is the kind of path that he's talking about. For a sheep, if they can get on this kind of path, this rutted path, it will keep them going in the right direction, the proper direction. Away from harm, physical harm, towards safety, towards stability. Um, it's easy to stay on this kind of path. And if we apply this spiritually, um, just the path of purity, the path of right doing, the path of pleasing the Lord. And he does this all for the sake of his name. Now, 
He'll lead you into the right path if he's your shepherd. Because he is your shepherd. Because of who he is. The shepherd loves you as one of his sheep. He, he only wants you to do the right thing. He only wants your blessing. He only wants the best for you. But name has a, has a different connotation here a little bit. He leads you into right paths for the sake of his reputation. Have y'all ever seen somebody who's a real fool and everybody sees it and you're like, oh, my goodness. Like, oh. It, because that casts darkness on the, on the name of God. It makes him look bad in a sense. Um, Everything he does is for his own glory, if we believe scripture. Everything he does. Um, And this is no different. He makes himself look good, and not not in an arrogant kind of way. Um, We try to make make ourselves look good, kind of like in an arrogant kind of way. I hope so-and-so thinks highly of me. Um, But that's not why God does it. God is truly the best thing in existence ever. Um, and that, that is a poor, a poor descriptor for who he really is. Um, so when he does things to make himself look good, he's just showing people who he really is. It's not, it's not a pretense. It's not um, for the approval of man. But it's that, who, it's that they might see who he really is. Now, Why can my whole inner life be restored to proper focus, my soul? Because Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, the fourth benefit, benefit number four, is promised protection. Promised protection. The first three verses here are kind of peaceful. You know, they don't seem too hard. It seems like the sun is out shining. Um, I'm receiving my spiritual and physical provision. But in this verse, you start to change. Hmm. It's easy to trust in the sunshine, but it's not always like that in the Christian life, is it? Um, This verse says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, um, there's a little bit of translation issues here, as you know, as uh, there often is. Um, because of traditional translations, they, you know, they say things certain ways. It says in this translation, uh, even though I walk, I grew up on King James Version. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But that's not the strength of what this really means. It's really saying this. Even when I am walking in the valley of deep darkness, I won't fear evil. He's not saying uh, the valley is optional. Every single one of us has to go through a valley. Uh, The valleys are inevitable and we cannot go around them. And the valley is dark and it's not regular kind of dark either. Um, And the dark is translated as death. It's not... But the idea is not far off from what we would think of. Um, It is referring to a darkness that is pitch black, that is like so dark that it seems like it's impenetrable. Um, A darkness that's so thick it can be felt. It's like it has a character all its own. 
And if you've ever been to the deep country, I, I mentioned my parents are from Louisiana and Mississippi. Um, if you've ever been to the deep, deep country at night, you might understand what I'm saying, where there's no lights. Um, growing up, going sometimes to Mississippi, I remember it would, you know, it would get pretty late. Um, and it's a darkness that kind of like overwhelms you. It's not like, um, it's not like out here, you, on Roscoe, you have street lights when it gets dark. And you may not want to be out there in the dark, but, you know, uh, but you can see them. Um, but out there, that kind of dark is a different kind of darkness. It's pitch black. Um, I remember riding in the car with my family and the, my mother had the headlights on and she's driving. And it seems like the darkness just swallowed the light. Like that's the kind of darkness that this is. Now, I've never seen such darkness before or since that. that it is... Um, extremes. And that's the kind of darkness that David is talking about here. Um, if, if, they, if they translated it how, they, you know, how us TMS students would like, they would translate it like this. Uh, the valley of impenetrable gloom, the, the valley of extremely deep darkness. Um, it's like that. It's like, it's, it's like the darkness is a veil and you could like touch it, you could feel it. That's the kind of darkness that is in the valley. Now, David says, even when I walk in the valley of extreme darkness, I will never fear evil. Now, darkness, that kind of darkness is a place where most reasonable people might think it's it it makes sense to fear here. Like I I should fear here. Um, But this sheep says, I won't fear evil. I will not fear evil. This is the kind of kind of the same thing, uh, same kind of construction as I shall not want. Um, he's not just saying I will not fear. He's not saying I'll start fearing and then I'll stop. I'll deal with my anxieties. Um, he is saying that I will never fear. I won't even begin to fear. I won't start fearing. He's saying in the deepest and darkest of times, the darkest of valleys, the toughest of circumstances, um, the very worst of things that could possibly happen to you, he will never fear. He won't even begin to fear because... The shepherd is with him. There's darkness all around. There's darkness everywhere. But the sheep's focus is where? Is it on, on his dark valley? On the surface? His focus is on the shepherd. He's t- totally taken with the shepherd. He's not worried about anything else. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They bring me consolation. The shepherd has a rod and he has a staff. Not a rod is a short wooden club, hard, uh, maybe, maybe with sharp rocks or, or, or pieces of sharp metal put into it. Um, and it's used to round the sheep up and it's used to protect the sheep from predators. Um, a wolf thinks he's going to have an easy meal and you smack him upside the head. He probably won't want any trouble, right? Um, now the staff is a long piece of wood, and if you if you read about the staff, oftentimes in the Old Testament, it might be uh, referred to something that you know people leaned on. Um, but this staff is used to count the sheep, and it's used to discipline the sheep when they get out of line. Now the rod and the staff tell us two main things. One, that Yahweh intimately knows each one of his sheep individually. 
And two, that he does not play when it comes to protecting his sheep. Now, that could be dealing with the enemies that come from outside or that could be dealing with foolishness among the flock. He does not play when it comes to his Why do I have continued protection and promised care? Because Yahweh is my shepherd. Now, the fifth benefit, benefit number five, is abundance of blessing. Abundance of blessing. Now, if you ever just read through this, you, you get to verse five, you see that it sounds a little bit different than the other verses, right? Um, David's viewpoint has changed a little bit. David here is no longer talking from the standpoint of one who's a sheep. But he's talking like there's a banquet set up and he's been invited as the honored guest. In this day, in, in, in that day, in that culture, and whenever you'd have a banquet, you would invite people and there would be one person that was the honored guest. And you would protect them at all costs. Excuse me. You would keep them from all harm. This is why David can say, literally in front of me, in my face, you prepare a table right in front of me. A table, a table in front of those that are hostile toward me, that hate me, that want to kill me. Um, David is saying, in the, even in the presence of my enemies, right in their faces, Yahweh, you will keep me safe. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Um, and, and this is a little unclear for us in our culture. The church I grew up in, where after you, you, know, you would go do the James 5 prayer, you, everybody would go up to the front and they would anoint you with oil. They would take a little drop of olive oil and touch your forehead or your hand with it. Uh, and if the deacon got a little too carried away, you would have enough to like rub over your hand. You, a, few more, uh, a little bit more than just one drop. right? Um, but this is not the meaning of anoint. Uh, the meaning of anoint is, is rather to take like a basin full of oil and dump it on somebody's head. It's like to pour it on them. Uh, it's like to drench them in the oil. And I mean, why does that sound, on? that doesn't sound like honor, it sounds like insult uh, in our day and age. Um, but in that culture, they, they're from a very dry climate, which it is dry here, um, very dry climate. Um, so they have to deal with the sun, they have to deal with the sand, and that stuff does a number on your skin. Um, so to have oil poured on you will bring refreshment, it will bring honor. Um, yeah, it would bring uh, comfort to the wearer, it, it would soothe the wearer. It's more along the lines of probably, probably what we think, would think of as lotion. It had often scented, often perfumed, um, and it would soothe the skin. Now, anointing is that, but it's also much more. Anointing in the Old Testament is, uh, it's literally the verb, it, it literally means to make fat. Right. And in American culture, we think fat is bad. Right. Uh, We think fat is a bad thing. Like I want to stay from fat at all costs. I want to, you know, lose as much fat as I can. Um, But in these times, you could look at the book of Proverbs. Being made fat was a blessing and it signified joy. Um, David is saying I've been. Uh, lavished fully with the joy of Yahweh. He's brought me soothing. He's brought me comfort. He's brought me refreshment. He's brought me pleasure. 
from his hand. And that is lavish treatment. That's not just a, a regular thing that you would do. It's, it's a lavish thing. Um, now, from this we see that Yahweh is not simply our shepherd, but he is, he's, he's also our very dear friend. Um, he's providing for us. He delights in taking care of us. Care of us. My cup overflows. Now, Old Testament, New Testament, we can read about the cup. The cup relates to someone's lot in life or their fate. Uh, whatever is in that cup, whether good or bad, it's a picture of God's judgment upon that person. Isaiah fifty-one seventeen, he talks about the cup of God's anger, the cup of God's wrath. Um, Jesus, in Matthew 26, uh, prayed that he wouldn't have to drink the cup. He drank it, but he, he prayed that he wouldn't have to drink it because he knew that the wrath was in there and he was going to have to deal with that wrath. Uh, Psalm 116, for a positive uh, view of this, there's uh, the cup of salvation. Whatever is in that cup refers to God's dealing with a man in judgment, whether good or whether bad. Um, Now, David's cup here is filled with good things and it's filled to the point of saturation. This is my cup overflows. It runs over. Um, But that's really kind of it means it's brimming. You know, when you pour water in a cup and it gets to the top and it doesn't quite come over, but it's kind of like it's kind of like shaped like that on the top of it. And it's like one more drop and it's going to spill out. That's what this is. He says that Yahweh will provide me with his abundance. He will lavish upon me his love and his abundance. Now, this means that if you're one of his children, you will be blessed with this kind of abundance. And I don't mean no prosperity gospel type abundance. I'm going to have a whole lot of money. I'm going to have health. And not that Um, it's not coming to God for what you can get from him, but being in his pleasure, being in his joy, him loving you has its privileges. And this is one of them. Benefit number six and last benefit. Continual, continual communion. David said, really goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, um, he's really not saying sure, sure. Well, he is saying surely. He's saying it's a certain fact that goodness and mercy will follow me. But uh, it's not just goodness. Um, and mercy is not really just mercy. Goodness is that which promotes life, produces life. Mercy, though, is really loving kindness. It's really faithful love, a loyal love, a love that like sticks to you and cleaves to you. Oh, I think we sing a song here sometimes that says, oh, love that will not let me go. That's the kind of love that he's talking about. And he says those things will follow me all the days of my life. And it's not following like you follow somebody on Twitter, or Instagram. It's not following like a little kid following their parent at church. It's not like that kind of following. Um, it's more like the idea of hunting. It's more like being pursued. Um, I will be pursued by Yahweh's goodness and loyal love every single day for the rest of my life. And I can run from his loyal love. I can stray from the path. I can try to get away from him. But this is not something that I can hide from. If I'm one of his sheep, if I belong to him, this loyal love is going to get me. How comforting. And he says, I will return to the house of Yahweh for length of days. Now, we always say context rules and interpretation. If you've had any, um, you know, 
classes on biblical interpretation and application. They always say context rules, context rules. Um, And the context here is really not the idea of David dying and going to heaven and being there forever uh, when he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, Also, the word for forever in Hebrew is not used here. Uh, That's the word olam or la'alam, to forever. Instead, he's using it for a period of time. Um, a specific period of time. He's not saying that I'll go to heaven when I die, even though that's true. Um, Instead, he's communicating that he will continually be returning to the house of Yahweh to worship in Yahweh's presence for as long as he lives. Every single day for the rest of my life, I'm going to be here to worship you, to be in your presence. He's committing to continual communion with Yahweh. Now, the lesson here in this verse is that the loyal love of God toward us should cause, ourself, cause us to devote ourselves to consistent communion to him, communion with him. He loves us, and that love should bring us to him. Now, if you are a Christian, every single one of these benefits is yours. You might forget you have these benefits. You might have to remind yourself sometimes that, He's my shepherd. I I won't want. Sometimes you have to tell yourself that multiple times a day, Um, especially looking at the world, how it is now. I will not fear. You might have to tell yourself that multiple times a day. But if you're one of his, you have access to every one of these benefits. These benefits are yours. Now, the only thing barring you, um, if you're a Christian, from having access to this is if maybe if you're in sin, unconfessed sin, then you still have access to these things, but God will allow things to come into your life. Um, and not like mercy of, but that's really what it is, that bag, and it might hurt. Um, so if this is you, uh, believer, I, uh, I admonish you to repent right now and turn back to the loyal love. Now, if God is not your shepherd, you shall be in want. Um, you will have no peace, no mercy, no love, uh, And when the dark times come in your life, it's wise to fear. You better fear. Um, If you don't know him, there is no shepherd like this one that loves as much as this one does. With the character that he loves with, um, he's so merciful that he crushed his son on behalf of sinners to pay for their sins. Jesus Christ, he crushed him. And Jesus Christ died to pay for our sins and suffered to pay for our sins. And he rose from the grave. Now, if this is you and you're not a beneficiary of these benefits, I'll be here afterward. You could talk to me. Um, And there are various people here that I'm sure would love to talk to you. But come to the shepherd, because if you do not come to him, The cup is not going to be filled with goodness and mercy, but wrath, um, burning wind, fire. But if you come to him, you can have protection, vision, you have a shepherd, and you have his love. Amen. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, gracious shepherd, Lord, there is no one like you, Yahweh. There is none like you. 
Father. And I thank you for the privilege to preach, and I thank you for the privilege of being able to um, open your word, to look at it, to see what it means, God, in order that I might understand it and apply it to my life and try to help these brothers and sisters apply it to theirs. Lord, I ask that you challenge each one of us with this, God, and change each one of us with this, that we might be more godly, more Christ-like, and more trusting in our shepherd. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.